The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! Okay, what are we drinking tonight? So we're having a black cherry whiskey sour. I think oh. it's a new drink for us. Yeah. <laughs> I have to start saying that now, that I think it's a new drink for us because... Uh, it's hard to remember all 700. Yeah, it's, it's hard to remember them yeah. all. So I used two ounces of Forrester bourbon. Oh, okay. Right? An ounce of lemon juice. Half an ounce of agave nectar, half an ounce of black cherry juice, hopefully unsweetened cherry juice. If you get the sweetened, then negate the the agave. agave, Right. Right. So unsweetened cherry juice. You stir that in the glass, the rocks glass you're going to use. Then you add the large ice cube. Then you top it off with two ounces of seltzer water. And I chose cherry seltzer water. Okay. Because why not? And then you serve it with lemon rind with a cherry. Wow. Okay. And at this time of year, there aren't really fresh cherries. It would be better to have a fresh cherry, but um, I cherries. use the Luxor cherries, yeah. the great ones. Yeah. All right. <laughs> can um, never go wrong with that. Cheers. Let's see how it smells. It's good. Very. Hmm. That is kind of yummy, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's not like As a, a pre-dinner drink. Doesn't that make you gleek like a pre-dinner drink would? Yeah, it's good. I'm gleeking. For sure. This sour gets that. You know what that would be good with? Barbecue. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's Don't a you great, think? It's a great barbecue. Like, this would be like an aperitif for that. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have a big barbecue at your place, you make like a gallon of this shit. They have the recipe to make pictures of this. Pictures. Oh, excellent. This is like the best. Okay. And that's going to be so different than the smooth, creamy yeah. cheese for, I mean, it's going to be great. This is a great drink for that. This is a great drink for that, actually. I think it's great. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. You know, I was poking around FetLife the other day and I ran across this post and the conversation in the post was about breaking the submissive. 
Uh-huh. And I thought, that's an interesting conversation. So yeah. I read it through and I thought, who, I wonder who wrote that? And then I discovered Edward wrote it. <laughs> and he, Edward, is the host of Chatting with the Lightkeeper. Yeah. So I thought, well, hello, Edward. Have Edward, welcome to the conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're delighted that you're here. You know, we always ask our guests to share who they are as a sexual creature. So tell us sort of how you discovered who you were and how that's evolved over time. Well, it's it's been a long road. I don't think it's ever going to stop evolving because the day I stop evolving as a person, I, I hope was my last day here because I love growing and learning. So who I am is, boy, I would have to say I'm a dominant gentleman. Um, however, as much as BDSM DS is part of who I am, it's only a small part of the overall person that I am. It's just uh, one of the many, many facets that make me who I am. And gosh darn it, I like myself. So that's, that's a good thing. Okay. So you're like 50 years old, right? Oh yeah. Just, uh, just a couple ticks above that. So go back to like when you were like six, seven, eight. Like when you first discovered yourself as being even sexual. Yeah. Well, I was a, um, what is the right word? Nerdy kid. Um, still am a nerd. So my sexual being, of course, came about through my through my teen years, like most most people. The real epiphany for me was actually in college. I went off to college, still a virgin, um, still liking girls, liking women, but not sure about anything more than that. And I went out for tacos one night and it was, oh, 11 o'clock at night. And since I am um, in my early fifties now, this was the time before there was the nice uh, man or lady in your dashboard that would direct you and tell you where to turn and how to, how much farther you had to go. I got lost. I found this interesting place called an adult bookstore. And this is where I was in terms of worldly knowledge. I thought it was a bookstore that would perhaps have a larger than average selection of pornography, but would not have children's books. I didn't realize adult bookstore was slang for porn shop. Walked in there, totally blew my mind, wandered around. Being a fan of books, you know, I was looking around and there was a whole section on on BDSM. And of course, they had the usual porn paraphernalia, but there was some... Once again, before the internet, times when they were like self-printed books where somebody had probably on a typewriter banged this out and then Xeroxed it on the lifestyle. And a couple of those, there was no no pictures. Of course, it was just the written word. And I picked up a couple of those on my meager college salary, started reading them, was fascinated. And that's how the rabbit hole began. After college, I um, and during college, I, I found my local community um, was active, actually had a a young lady who was interested in me. We had my first experience with a DS relationship. After college, I put it all away, thought, boy, this is just a college phase. You know, it's time to be a time to be an adult and do adult things. So I put it away and really kind of put away being my authentic self. And while I did have a couple more relationships um, I came to find it wasn't them. It was me. There was something wrong, you know, with me and those relationships not working. So it was back to the drawing board, trying to figure me out and everything came back to DS. And so I started tiptoeing my way back in um, well before I was 40. 
and came back to the lifestyle and have been here ever since. And as I've grown in the, the lifestyle and grown as a person, I've also uh, wanted to share my experiences. So thus the podcast and, and thus the social media presence. And all of that has led me here. Got it. I'm wow. I'm sitting here listening to you share your story and just overwhelmed with true joy because your story is reflective of so many other people's experience. And often people, because we don't talk about this, what we talk about is like, did we get laid or who we got laid with and what was great about it? What we don't talk about is our common ground on our core sexuality like us okay we here we are fumbling in the dark let's try to figure out i'm a sexual creature i'm turned on by this picture or and, this video and or also whatever sexuality is so charged because like oh and back shit. when and right. i and he's in our age group so back right. in our day it was yeah. like a taboo and so all this many stuff many yeah. layers yeah, of yeah. social pressure and then being able to say but in all of that this is how I found myself. Yeah. And what I find so raw about that is that everyone's story is so unique, but similar at the same time, because I can feel their angst in how they were experiencing their sure. story, just like I felt mine, which was a different path. And, and really, I mean, the, 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 the funny twist about all of this is, of course, being young, being very inexperienced, um, going into the adult shop was, you know, I was afraid somebody was going to see me. I'm I'm brand new in a town where no one knows me. But, you know, obviously, once I went down the rabbit hole, I was down the rabbit hole. So, you know, every two weeks when I got paid, I was going back to get more, something more educational. And it had to be a Tuesday night of all things, because I got paid on Tuesdays, which I thought was weird at the time, but got paid on a Tuesday. And lo and behold, find the BDSM section. And, and there was there was some a couple of new things, and one of my professors was there and talk about like petrified. I mean, it was absolutely scary as can be that here is one of my professors in my major in the same section as I am in, you know, this is a taboo section. So it was a very, very scary, but also at the same time, eye-opening thought. It, it And wait a minute, like for you, as someone who identifies as dominant, like you're, it's a, like a really huge power shift, almost probably something you didn't identify in the moment, but like, yeah, he might see you there. Right. But the bigger one part of that is not you is him seeing that you see him there. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, you know, it was eye opening. And the wonderful thing though, that it taught me early on, very early in my journey is if I meet somebody I know, they're here for the same reason I am, to either learn, to explore, or to, you know, engage with who they really are. And it's it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, totally okay. It's okay. All right. So so that was your sort of introduction to kink, right? But like it's at a certain point, it occurred to you like your sexuality lives in this place and you're going to explore more. Where were you when you kind of dive really into the rabbit hole? Well, I, I really went into the rabbit hole in college, but the whole graduation, entering the corporate world where it seemed like, uh, and perhaps this is just my own opinion, but it seemed like 
at the time, the corporate world, like getting married and having kids was a process everyone went through. And as you went through it, you went up, you know, you somehow climbed a rung in the corporate ladder by by having a wife and having a kids or having a husband and having kids. And so, you know, I, being a, a nerdy person who spent most of their high school years with their head down, trying not to be noticed, I wanted to do that. So I put the whole kink thing aside and the whole BDSM world aside. And after failing miserably as a vanilla boyfriend, because it wasn't me, uh, I, ended up putting it all aside. And when I came back to the lifestyle, I guess you could say I really dove in because I've never stepped back and I've just kept going forward. But it was really a lesson for me. And just if I want to succeed in life, I have to be authentically who I am. And if people don't like it for whatever reason, if they, you know, whether it's how I look or what I do or whatever it is, I just need to be myself and let the chips fall where they may, because I will find people that appreciate me for being me. That's so true. I mean, being okay with you, who you are, you're going to find your own community within that. Yeah. And that's the key. Well, there's somebody for everybody, right? Oh, I mean, there's, there's yeah. actually a story of two cannibals in Russia marrying each other. Yeah. I mean, like really, if two cannibals can find each other. Uh, right? Yeah. Let's say it happen. Yeah, I know. So this is so interesting, you know, because you're describing an experience of self-discovery, really, Edward, right? Right. You actually are exploring who you are as a sexual creature, and you're making choices in your career based on your sexuality is what it sounds like. You're going, I need to be my authentic self in order to advance in the world. Is that what, is that what I understood? Right. And it is kind of amazing because in that same process, I moved from being, I don't know, kind of in traditional old-fashioned corporate America. I just by sheer luck ended up going into the world of technology, you know, just as sort of like the internet was becoming a thing. You know, I remember having to explain to my my mom what WWW stood for. But the world of technology as a career has been fantastic because it's so different in many ways um, than traditional industries, because it's more be yourself, you know, be yourself here. We're not suit and tie. We're not, you know, uptight. It's very much you know, it's it's more accepting of people from everywhere. And that's not the case with all companies and all places and all people, obviously. But it was it was refreshing as I was in the midst of of really wanting to just be my, you know, just learning to be me. So it was I was just I was just going to say just as a, um, you know, growing up as being the nerdy kid, it was a very that part of it was also a journey to to be myself, to try and figure out who I was, because as a nerd, more than anything, as a young kid, I wanted to fit in. And the only way you truly fit in is by being yourself. No, I get yeah. that. And there's this like really weird duality about the world that we live in today, which is you can be yourself and also somebody completely virtual that doesn't exist at all as a persona that you have as you also in a technology environment that in many ways distorts reality. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of one of the, if you will, one of the things that inspired me to, to blog and to podcast and things like that is because so many people um, come to the world of whether it's BDSM or just um, being authentic with who they are sexually and they 
see these things online where it's unfortunately there there's no way it's going to work in reality so one of the i guess inspiring things is i just wanted to kind of tell my story tell some of the things that have happened to me and you know hey over here in the real world it's a little different if you decide to move from virtually exploring to physically exploring so you're definitely like relating to what we're up. We have coined this for quite a while. I don't know, year or so. We're sex explorers. So our podcast has evolved over time, initially talking about our dynamic and as we were exploring ourselves as new sexual creatures. And then it's evolved to where we're now so closely aligned that we're sex exploring together. Like we're taking on guests and having conversations that lead us to maybe we should explore that right right now we're in this whole pheromone thing right that we're discovering the essence of pheromones with the attachment of love and that kind of thing but nonetheless when i'm hearing you share in your sharing i hear multitudes of our guests before you yeah. like in the same vent like you're absolutely following like some kind of path that we well, followed too in discovering authentic self. Yeah. You're exploring your own sexual experience of yourself. You know, Edward, one of the things we found over time is the folks who tell us that they have the greatest amount of joy, happiness, satisfaction, gratitude are their true authentic self-expression as sexual creatures. Like That's almost like a root base of being in order to unfold what else there is to unfold in the experience of being alive. And I'm just curious, it sounds to me like you've landed on a space where you say, okay, good, I'm clear about what I'm up to. I'm a dom. I'm actually gonna put content out in the world. And you said, I have some thoughts about this idea called breaking a submissive, right? You actually wrote about that and you generated some really interesting considerations. So having landed in this space where you're sharing your understanding of relationship and context and kink with the world. Explain to us what you mean by breaking a submissive. Well, there are some dominant people and in, in, in submissives as well out there that, that feel that part of the evolution, I guess, if you will, of a, of a DS relationship, at some point, the dominant will have to, in, in their words, break the submissive. And I don't that's to me break is a harsh word because no one no one should be broken it's not like we are or a submissive is like a horse that you need to break in order to teach the horse how to carry a rider it's a submissive is it there you know it's an actual person with you know every thoughts feelings and everything else and it takes me back to uh, an ancient chinese proverb and the proverb says tell me and i forget teach me and I remember, evolve me and I learn. And I always think that a dominant should be teaching and involving their submissive um, to craft really the relationship and how it all fits um, together. And while the dominant leads, the submissive is an equal partner and it's a together project that they that they do. There's no, there's no breaking. A submissive isn't, say, a new baseball glove that you need to break in or I'm a skier. So when I get a new pair of ski boots, um, the first time out, there's a breaking in period. Well, a submissive isn't a pair of ski boots. I need to teach and educate my submissive as to what I want as a dominant. And at the same time, they need to be teaching me 
what they want and they need from me as a dominant. So this whole idea of breaking a person is just, it just doesn't click. Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, I think as a general context, we agree with your theory. Totally, yeah. yeah. So I want to go back to the word break, because I think break is an interesting word, right? Like break almost a man's There's something wrong already. Like you have to destroy something, right? Yeah, something is un- yeah. unacceptable and so, needs to be changed. Yeah, so that already that word doesn't really fit in the world of sexuality, but you read about it a lot. And I think this notion of I'm going to break my submissive, it's, it comes out of the world of porn. It's not really or related. insecurity. <laughs> well, certainly insecurity, but it's not really related to reality, right? Because that's not... What happens? Because as you point out, there's a relationship between a dominant and a submissive, and there's training and agreements, and all there's all kinds of stuff in the dynamic. So breaking, just on a basic level, the word itself doesn't apply to the DS dynamic. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think I think obviously you know the the porn or the even the the literature like the Fifty Shades series of books and things kind of lead people to unrealistic expectations or unrealistic thoughts of what it's actually like. And yeah, it's just, you don't break somebody apart to rebuild them. There, there shouldn't be anything in a, in a partner that you need to break. You should be building things together. But that's, that's my thought. And unfortunately, there are those who disagree with it. Yeah, but you actually went on. You gave a couple of different four instances in your writing about some of the ways people may interpret the word break and how they still don't apply. Correct. Correct. I mean, um, you know, for example, if a submissive has a, a bad habit and it's very common and it's an expression I'm sure all of us use, oh, I need to break that habit. But we don't necessarily, we're not breaking a habit. We're taking that habit and we're replacing it with something that is healthier or better for us in place of that habit. In um, the same with um, others who will define break in, in a DS way as saying that they want to break their submissive so they can have, as a dominant, they can have a blank canvas to start from. And anytime we have adults, it's a little too late to have a blank canvas. Everybody has in their past, good and bad, everything that we've done colors who we are today. There's no way to, um, you know, to select all and delete from a person's experience. Exactly. Right. That's I just exactly love right. that you're bringing that forth into the world yeah. on your podcast. I, I just think that's what we strive to do. And granted, we're pretty focused now because we're in a point of our dynamic where it's very rabbit hole but, but it's all about demystifying sexuality. Yeah, but we're like picking pieces that fit for us right. and then trying them on. Yeah, but what you did, Edward, was you actually took a, I want to call it a trope in kink dogma, this idea of break a submissive. And you yeah. were like, hey, well, wait, a, wait a minute, let's just take a look at this. I don't, I do, and, yeah. And breaking bring it into reality. isn't attractive at all. Break, yeah, you know, break, you know, in the world that we live in, we think of dominance and submission as a relationship where the dynamic is shifted on the basis of agreements and the dominant may be the leader in the dynamic for the minute and creates the agreements that the dynamic moves in. And it's always a conversation. It's never just like a cut and dry. I mean, we did the cut and dry. We did that. But the evolution we're at now, five years in 24 seven TPE, we have evolved into a place that is like, Oh my God, the whole world is our oyster. It's like crazy. 
Well, and for me, for me, some of the evolution that I've seen, like when I first uh, like got involved in, in my first yes relationship in college, um, I had a lot more self-confidence with my body. Um, and the, the beautiful young submissive that I was, was dating, uh, we were both exhibitionists. So in order to do that safely, we found a, a, a swingers club that was close to uh, on-premise swingers club that was close to where we went to school. And it was fantastic. But at the same time, in the swinging world, we couldn't bring up DS because if you brought up DS or BDSM, you were like, you know, you were ostracized because that was just too, like that was too far out there for even swingers in the uh, mid nineties to talk about or to engage with. And now you see the yeah. lifestyle has moved where it's, it's, it's so sex positive. It's well, I fantastic. Think the, yeah, I think sex positive has done a ton but, of work. But I think the internet's made a massive impact. You know what I find? Even when we look for guests for our podcast, yeah. if it's just a generic person, right? Yeah. Someone who's not doing some actually things in the community. It's always amazing that they're all worked up about stuff that I'm like, wow, what? Yeah. Like you're worried about yeah. that? It's, it's way more in the common vernacular that people are kinky. Like you, yeah. you see a lot of references in movies on TV, and I know we just about... saw some recent. We we're like, that's fucking geeky, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's been a massive shift in the world since you started exploring. But kink your in the exploration hole. is really holding true to a huge part of the generation right. what, that what, feels what you felt. Yeah, but what I want to get at is now that you've arrived where you've arrived, where you're like. You know, you're making a stand as a sexual creature. You're saying, I'm fucking here and I'm going to speak my truth, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, what happened that had you do that? I was looking for a creative outlet for myself. I am not uh, somebody who can sing. Um, trust me, if I sang right now, I would probably scare all of your listeners away. I can't play an instrument. I cannot draw. I can't paint. I can't sculpt. Um, but the one thing I can do is I can write. So I started writing and I really found that a great outlet. And then I thought, well, what can I write about with my own experiences that will also help me grow as a person? So I started writing um, blog posts about BDSM and DS. And then that grew to, hey, let's add a podcast to it because that'll be a fun new creative outlet. And that's how it all started kind of coming out of me as far as, you know, it really is a creative outlet for me to, to share all of this. And it's a fantastic way as well to connect with other people um, from around the world that, that are, you know, exploring kinky in the lifestyle. It, it's it, the, you know, that part of it has been an awesome bonus, but at the core of it all, it's, um, it's a way for me to creatively express what's going on in my mind. Got it. And that's fair enough. You know, I mean, good for you for being out there, you know, being self-expressed. Like we have a big stand on being fully self-expressed. Fully. fully yeah. yeah. So we're with you on that. So, okay. I'm clear that you've looked into your sexuality through the course of your life and you've arrived in this place because you're putting yourself forward in a very particular way. You're saying who you are. So what does it mean to you to stand there as a dominant male in this current sexual climate? Well, one of the first things that I love is the fact that it's no longer, um, you know, no one is, well, there are probably be some, but I, it no longer bothers me or there's no more stigma that like I am suffering from a mental illness because I 
like BDSM as it was when I first started. Uh, you know, when I first went down the rabbit hole in college, the, uh, what is it, the DSM, the, the, the guide for psychiatry would have told you that I was mentally ill because I was liking BDSM. So thankfully that is gone. And the world is a place where I can be much more open and honest publicly about it. I can, you know, obviously talk to trusted friends and share where I am and who I am and not be, not be judged so, so harshly or judged at all. It's just the, the acceptance part of it is is wonderful. And it's great that the world has reached a point where I can just be me and not have to worry about how just being me is going to impact the rest of my life. If that hopefully is making some sense there. Okay, I got your stance, and I get that you have some sense of self and freedom. Which is huge. Which is great. I mean, that's good for you, right? And you're standing in a world where you're saying, I'm a dominant male in this sexual climate. I want to know what dominance means to you. Are you about control? Are you about Certain discipline? Fetishes. Are you about, you know, what's your kick? For, for me, it is about when I find an amazing partner, it is about watching using my leadership to help them grow and blossom as a person. It isn't about like, for example, the kinks and the fetishes side of it, all of that. That's fun icing on the cake. You know, that's, that's fun, you know, fun ways to really indulge um, sexually. But it's, for me, it's about leading my partner so that they can live their dreams. And, and using, you know, and you use DS to get there, whether it's, um, for example, most people in DS will talk about rules. I, I don't like the word rules. I prefer guidelines. Obviously, it's DS, so there's an accountability piece, and most people will say punishment. I don't say punish. I say correct. Um, but it's using the the mechanisms of DS to lead and to, to watch my partner grow. Okay, so interesting and Clear. Insightful, yeah. Insightful. Okay. So are you more of a like total power exchange person or are you more of a role play kickster? No, more, definitely, definitely the, the total power exchange. It's not, um, for me, it's not play. There's play components to it, which are fun and exciting or sex exciting, but no, it's, it's, it's definitely the, the 24 seven piece of this is part of who I am, and this is going to be part of any relationship that I have. And it's going to be much more than just the, a little kinktastic play here and there. It's actually going to be, you know, part of, part of the daily, the daily grind. Okay. So, so your context of yourself as a sexual creature, is it a power dynamic with a partner who submits to you and agrees to a series of corrections that you have laid out for them. Well, not necessarily not necessarily corrections. Um, start with like you replace like most dominants will talk about rules rather than have rules. Um, I prefer guidelines because uh, the world is not black and white. Rules for me, um, in my view, are are black and white. Either you followed the rule or you didn't follow the rule. And life doesn't often present ourselves present ourselves with with decisions that are that straightforward and black and white. And I believe that submissives are strong, capable people. So give the submissives guidance, and they can make decisions because 
here's the bad pun, you know, life is 50 shades of gray and you want to empower your submissive to make the best choices and the best decisions. And yes, if there is a misstep or a mistake, um, then the accountability side comes into play. And that's a correction because rather than punish, which to me, punish is punitive. It sounds like prison. It sounds like you were bad rather than you made us, you made a mistake. We're going to fix the mistake and we're going to go forward. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. So you have a structure in which, yeah, in which you see that you are, you have clarity. Now the word guidelines is very vague, right? So like I live with a a partner with whom we lived in a 24 seven TPE total power exchange and they were never vague instructions because vague instructions produce opportunities for really unreasonable correction. Don't you agree? Yes, absolutely. And you still have to, I'm not saying they, that that guidelines are, are vague. They are very clear, but there are times uh, in life where we may need to say, break a rule uh, or break a guideline because the situation doesn't fit. So I want to be able to have the submissive feel empowered that if they feel that they need to step outside of that guideline because it doesn't fit or a better choice would be to do something else that they can do it without fear of repercussions. Okay. They may... So wait a minute, living in a 24 seven TPE, I'm already like totally creaming over this. Cause I'm thinking, Oh yeah, I can see this be a place. Like you have like, I don't know. People have in the vanilla world, they have things like little jars. They put pennies in and right, they right. do good things for each other. Yeah. But it, it's basically like, hey, once a year, I'm allowed this one break in reality and I get to have it and it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, but what I'm just saying is, is for example, um, I've, I've seen rules um, where a dominant expects their submissive to say, check in every day at noon with them. And it's black and white. Either they check in at noon or by noon, or they, they're, they've made a mistake or they've, they've erred and they haven't. But what happens if the submissive is called into a meeting by their boss at 1145 and the meeting goes till one? The submissive has technically broken a rule, but the submissive couldn't have said, oh, excuse me, boss, I need to check in with my dominant because it's a rule. And unfortunately, in my opinion, there are dominants out there who will then punish their submissive because they broke that rule, but the submissive didn't have a choice in the matter. Yeah. I mean, you start getting into like all sorts of kinks, right? Some submissives might like breaking rules. Like in the secretary, she would break rules on purpose to get spanked, right? Right. Punishment instead of punishment. Yes. Right? Yeah. So as that, well so as the, the randomness of a real life job that doesn't yeah. know you're a kinkster yeah. and actually creates situations on its own yeah. outside of you that create these disrupts. Yeah. But actually real life actually gives you a way to set rules because it's called being your word in the matter. Yeah. Uh, that's what integrity is, right? And that's why where we live in the world of... Because we dealt with that too. Yeah. What if I get called the meeting? But the agreement was, because we realized life happens, right. was that I communicate beforehand, right? right. Yeah. Because I should know that, right? Exactly. And there might be a few instances, last minute things happen. And then you know what? I just take my ownership of my dropping the ball yeah and just say yeah that's what happened and as your dom i don't when, worry about it as no. being against my dom no no no. but as your dom when that happens i consider 
the full experience of and the circumstances. And you choose what you're going to do. This isn't rigidity. It's it's right. real life. It's right? real life. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you're getting. I think you're getting at the right place. Yeah. In all definitely. Of this. So tell our listeners how to find your podcast. Well, my podcast is available on on all the major podcasting um, outlets wherever you find your podcast. Um, just search for Chatting with the Lightkeeper, and you will you will find me. Um, new podcasts drop every Tuesday morning, bright and early at uh, five in the morning New York City time. So. Um, every week there's there's fresh new content great that's awesome edward so hey great. listen really appreciate you coming on i appreciated the conversation thank you oh thank you i enjoyed it and um hopefully we get to do it again sometime that's it for today if you're interested in kinky relationship coaching online domination or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going please visit our patreon website at lady petra playground you can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! cheers.